Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. We are back for another weekly episode of Peak Speak and it's a beautiful fall right now and our friends at Manscaped want to make sure it's beautiful when your pants fall. Don't let the trees be the only thing dropping their excess leaves. Give your trunk the look it deserves with the leaders in male grooming and their fourth generation performance package. Boys, get your baby makers ready for a cuffing season like no other and join the four million men using Manscaped worldwide by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK. The performance package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. The nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system to provide proprietary skin safe treatment technology which helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate holes. That's right, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK manscaped.com. Make sure you have the best package for your package and choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. I am never prepared for what this is going to say and to be honest, I don't get half the innuendo, so... We've all established you're a robot, and that's, you know, the first part of being a robot that's hot. I'm, I'm really digging that, the advertising, though. I like putting on the voice and, and getting into it now. Well, while you're at it, then, mm. we can certainly recommend that those of you that are inclined to stuff your face with caffeine and in unreasonable quantity like we are should head over to our friends at prismcoffee.com.au and use the code PIXPEAK to fill your beans with beans. Nice. I'm not sure where that line came from. I'm not convinced I like it. But anyway, that's what we're going with. Fill your beans with beans. It did the job. I've been drinking the Columbia El Mirador, which has tastes like a biscotti plum and cacao, and is delicious. And that's all I have to say on the subject. He's so good. I'm such a pleb. I literally go by the color and then I open it and I sniff it and I'm like, this smells good. And I put it in. I, I don't I'd understand be all the notes. I'd to you if I said I didn't actually just have a Google Chrome window in front of the Zoom window reading the tasting notes off their website because I don't actually remember what the name of the coffee is. I also just know what the bag looks like. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I knew you were doing that, but I didn't think you'd reveal it. But here we are. Yeah, well, you got to give them a peek behind the curtains to keep them keen, you know? Exactly. How are you, my friend? Yeah, uh, life is good. I tore my calf jumping on a trampoline like yes. a week and a bit ago. That was a fun that. time. <laughs> um, Why do you always yeah. tear calves? Tear something else. 
Well, I've torn three in like 20 years of training. I've torn three muscles. I tore my left calf doing a handstand. Yes. I tore my right hamstring doing sprints I had no right doing. And then last week I tore my right calf jumping on a fucking trampoline. And be- like even better was I wasn't jumping on a trampoline. I was recording parkour stunts for the Instagram hustle yes. and got me tearing my calf on film, which was actually my favorite part. The now limp- two of the three muscle tears I've got, I have on video. The, the limp was my favorite part. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the limp of shame. Sad. Yeah, it was great. If you like, if I hadn't put the music on it, you can actually hear me be like, "Oh fuck," and then like wincing as I walk over. It's great. How bad is it? It was only a great one. Okay. I like. Uh, I lost a bit of range of motion for like twenty four hours. Uh, so that was like Wednesday. I ran on it again on Saturday on like flat ground and real slow, and it was mm-hmm. okay. Like it was a yeah, bit so- sore at full extension. Uh, ran again Tuesday. It was fine. What day is today? Friday. Ran on Thursday. And it was okay. I'll run again tomorrow. So yeah, it's almost fully healed, which is good. Because um, yeah, I was just sort of starting to hit a nice little sweet spot in the running thing, and to yeah. tear my calf, put a bit of a dampener on that. But you know, yeah, yeah. we live and we learn. Or we don't learn and we do more dumb things and tear more muscles. So that's also a possibility. Uh, at least, because that was my next question, is like how how far out did it put you of your running? But sounds like you've been able to jump straight back in anyway, so that's good. Yeah, the biggest thing's just been uh, not running trail, like running flat concrete um, yeah. because it's more predictable. Where yeah. the couple of times I've like stepped on a rock or something, that, that like full dorsiflexion position tweaks it a little bit. For so sure. I've just been super ginger about that. Um, and I'll probably run again on concrete tomorrow and then reintroduce trail stuff next week. Yeah. But I did uh, enter my first two running events yeah, I saw uh, that. for later this year. Um, so I signed up to do a half marathon in November and then like two weeks later, a 30K trail run that's at Stromlo and has something like eight or 900 meters of elevation included. So mm. that'll be interesting. You should talk to James here. I'm pretty sure he just signed up for his first half as well. Like he had, he had registered for one and then when he went to run it, lockdown happened. Uh, so he, he missed yeah. out. Or uh, maybe it was like a snap lockdown. I think it was in the middle of the COVID bullshit. So um but he's gotten right back into it now. He's given up on powerlifting for the time being and gone back into running. He loves it. Yeah, man. I, I bought like a ultra marathon hydration vest the yeah, other day. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I've, I've gone off the deep end well and truly. I'm yep. yet to add underscore runner to my Instagram handle, but I'm probably only a couple of weeks off that, yeah, I reckon. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. How's life up north? Yeah, good. I just uh, I just came back from South Africa the other day. Shot off over there for the weekend to uh, help my man Kurt Keo. Uh, he competed in a competition called Elite Raw, which is kind of like the start of of a, a pro raw similar event over there, like an invitational based on yeah, cool on um, uh, elite totals. Uh, so it was just one flight mixed between female, male, and and master and open lifters. Um, but it was a cool competition. Like it's always it's always refreshing to see powerlifting in other parts of the world. Um, you know, like, you know, as an online coach, even locally, you see videos of their competitions, but you don't actually know what the competition's like, you know, like when you're yeah, there, it's really and, hard to get a feel for that. Yeah. When you see the warm up room, when you see the organization, when you see the interaction of the lifters, you get a real feel of what the competition is actually like. Um, but I mean, like going to these competitions outside of Australia and surrounded by people who I don't don't know like i really didn't know many people there um 
you're reminded that the the four little letters or three little letters before a comp don't mean shit like powerlifting is universally really <laughs> yeah. cool yeah yeah the community over there was much akin to the community here or anywhere really like everyone is super friendly super inviting welcoming respectful to each other you know you had uh nicolas dupria or as all the others oh, say yeah. nick Dupree's. um he was there lifting you know he's squatting for 430 kilos like nothing and then uh, being super nice and friendly to all the other lifters saying hey did you get that how was that how'd that feel you know look, just cool man like really cool yeah yeah that's it's like you said it's recognizing that the three or four letters in front of the name of the competition don't actually mean anything because in the end we're all just a bunch of weirdos trying to lift some weights yep exactly exactly um and yeah it was cool to just be accepted into the the south african powerlifting family meet a whole bunch of new lifters make a whole bunch of new friends go do some cool shit see some cool shit just yeah hang out and have a blast it was great yeah nice life is good exactly so uh my client that i did go over there to help kurt he had an amazing day until deadlifts so he he squatted like a 40 kilo uh 40 something kilo pb benched uh a 17 kilo pb or thereabouts uh and then bombed on deadlifts so i wanted to i just wanted to talk about bombing today uh bring up the the conversation around bombing um you know how you can deal with it uh how to hopefully prevent it in the future what you can learn from it uh because people get quite emotional and sensitive about their lifting um and you know bombing is not always a case of um a case of poor planning or poor attempt selection sometimes it just happens so for context yeah shit goes wrong the the opener that we selected for his deadlift was conservative for him his last warm-up was on a shitty um a commercial gym power bar that was smooth nailed it easy as hell went out did his opener opener move totally fine locked it out hand ripped open dropped it couldn't hold on for, for the next two two attempts so just the Ugh. the unfortunate nature of not having exposure to competition equipment you know this guy trains in like a a virgin active which was just a big chain commercial gym um mm. competition equipment is sparse in south africa uh, so his first exposure to the competition bar was his opener and it was just super sharp. Hands went ready for it. Ripped him open. Ripped um, Nicolas as well. He he went for 400 on his second attempt. Easy as hell. Completely destroyed his hands. Couldn't do a third. Yeah. It was an oaky bar. And as you know, oaky bars are, are already rough. Brutal. But when they get yeah. old and used and a little bit rusty, they go like daggers. Like actual yeah, knives yeah. on your hands. So um, a, a lot of people had issues with their hands because of the bar. And it's not the bar's fault. It's just kind of like it's hard to build up resilience in your hands if you don't have exposure to that equipment. That's just yeah. one of the things we have to deal with in powerlifting. And so um, uh, Kurt was quite upset, more at the fact that I had come all the way to South Africa and he bombed in front of me rather than the bombing itself. And after we sort of had a discussion about like the question that I always ask everyone when they bomb is if today went perfect, would you have quit powerlifting tomorrow? If the answer is no, then why are you upset that you bombed? Because next time you're just going to come back bigger and better anyway. That's always going to be the yeah. plan. Next comp is going to be bigger and better. Uh, and so he did come in bigger and better than his last comp. He just had a shit time on deadlifts. So yeah. once he had his little cry, got his tears out of the way, got his upsetness out of the way, which was more about the fact that he felt he let me down. I don't get let down. Like It's powerlifting. Come on. Um, <laughs> he was all good. And then by the time we got to dinner, we could make jokes like, hey, man, how's, how's that pizza? Get a grip on it and all this sort of stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah and look this is a subject that i feel like for some people probably needs a trigger warning at the start of um but 
I think we've both had quite a bit of personal experience oh, yes. bombing in competitions <laughs> um, uh, or narrowly running the fine line between bombing and making a total. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually thinking about this in a somewhat uh, more obtuse way the other day, thinking about like the, the lessons I've learned in my life from losing. Mm-hmm. And I think I've probably learned more from losing than I ever have from winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Like it started for me in a sporting career long before powerlifting where like I played rugby for a shit club. <laughs> we lost a lot of games the first year of uh, first grade, like open, you know, men's rugby that I played as an adult. We lost every single game and not like by a little bit, but like we got beaten by hundreds of points at one point. And uh, to spend a year going to training twice a week and turning up on a Saturday knowing you're going to lose. Like not, come on boys, like we can rally and we can do this and maybe we'll pull off a win. Like how badly are we going to lose today? Like Mm. is is today a 50-pointer or is today 100 points? Like how can we limit that damage is hard. And it's the same coming out of bombing in a powerlifting competition where you spent so and it's it's the unfortunate but somewhat beautiful nature of the sport itself is that you spend months and months in many cases training for a day mm. and some days it's just not there and some days shit happens mm. some days you rip your hands open deadlifting some days you squat really fucking high and then just keep adding weight to the bar because you're an equipped lifter and you feel like that'll probably work and it doesn't <laughs> um or or things like that you know my first comp experience i missed my first two squats because i didn't understand what depth was and so like i nearly bombed in my first comp and then bombed in several i think we're talking about it before i think i did bomb three times in four competitions over like maybe a year 18 months Mm -hmm. um yeah it's not a nice feeling but it's also just like I think for me I'd been so conditioned to losing for a long time Um, I've been a lifetime mediocre athlete that it was never really a a big thing and for me I was often far more determined to get back into training hard and fix the things that had gone wrong immediately after a day like that whereas if I'd had a really good day and hit PBs there's a good chance I'm not training for at least a week because I'm like ah fuck it that was really good I'm happy with that I'm going to drink beers for a week and not think about it you know Hmm. Uh, but the the losing, the fucking something up so severely that I didn't make a total meant I was like, oh shit, now I've got to get back and you know prove this isn't the way I am and the person that I am, and I've got to work towards fixing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, like uh, that's indicative of the athletic mindset that you have, right? And some people who haven't developed that or don't have that naturally, bombing can be so detrimental and it's up to us as coaches to be able to guide them through the process to get to that productive stage um it's it's, i'm always so surprised how much people put their self-worth into something like bombing like it goes from i had a bad day on the platform to i am worthless like it goes that that direction really quickly and we have to serve as that like you know that guidance to get them off that path um which a lot of the time is just as as um a, in the moment, I think a lot of people in general want to help when someone is distraught in the moment. The best thing that you can do is kind of step away and let the person sit there for a while and sit in it and then go and yeah, not talk to them about, you know, guidance and direction, but talk to them to find some intrinsic understanding of why this isn't actually all that bad, which is that that's why I asked that question. I'm not going to tell him, yeah, it's, you know, this is what we can do next time to be better. It's, it's just like, yeah. yeah. Do were you going to quit? Because no one was going to quit. It's not going to be their last comp. No. Um, and if it is, tough luck, you bombed. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's 
there's there is a lot of to do there is a lot of stuff that we can do to prevent bombing uh, so if i'm if i'm talking about you know some of my experiences uh i think it's a lot of my early competitions for some reason aren't on open powerlifting my my open powerlifting yeah, list right. is a lot smaller than than the comps i've actually done but one of the pa comps i think it's on the list i bombed on bench Maybe but they actually stricken from the record <laughs> I, they just like removed you from the results that's right <laughs> one, my, one of my early Persona PA comps non -grata. I failed all three benches but they either made a mistake or they felt sorry for me and they gave me my third attempt uh, and I, I, I don't know why oh sorry they gave me my first attempt and I don't know why because I failed it so I missed the call on the first I went up and I failed the next two attempts on strength um, but one of the after that got in my head of like fuck i bombed on bench on weights that i should have been able to do like i didn't know how to peak i didn't know what i was doing uh and i probably just came in really fatigued or or peaked too early or something uh but it got in my head that oh i bomb on bench in comps and then i bombed on bench twice more after that and the second time that i bombed on bench i failed my last warm-up and i did nothing about it I, I failed my last one. I think I think my opener was one thirty, and I failed one twenty in the warm ups, and I just went and lifted. yeah, yeah, fuck it, it'll be there on the platform. The, yeah. the irony is, is I I lifted one thirty three times. First time bum was way off the bench. Second time I hit the uprights and they red lighted me on that. And I think the third time I missed the rack call or something stupid. Like oh, I just went man, out and I kicking the balls. Yeah, I just went out and bombed again. But the like the, you see this a lot where someone is doing such a terrible job in the warm-ups and all you have to do is go to the table and say let's drop your open to 10 kilos 20 kilos whatever like yeah. bombing is is quite easy to prevent a lot of the time uh but either due to ego or stubbornness or overconfidence whatever it may be there's there's decisions that coaches or lifters just don't make to prevent them from bombing yeah and i think that's where especially as a coach you've got to be pretty vigilant about what your lifters are doing like i don't think you need to be a helicopter person hovering over your lifter especially if they're the sort of lifter that's somewhat well established and you know is confident in their own abilities and can go about their business and and do the things they need to do in a warm-up environment largely unsupervised mm -hmm. uh it's harder coaching people that you don't see train regularly mm -hmm. like coaching online athletes um i had this experience with uh lynn and her first comp back post lockdown uh end of last year where she did the same thing missed a squat warm-up like and and not like missed it oh, it was a bit off like got pinned to the safeties with it and um and the first thing i did was go over and make sure she was okay and the second thing i did was drop her open at 10 kilos um because at that point i didn't recognize in watching her warm up because i don't watch her warm up predominantly i watch her top sets and some yeah. drop sets and things like that um that she, yeah she wasn't switched on enough just was like a bit nervous those sort of things and we adjusted and she went three for three in the squad anyway left some kilos on the platform but most importantly walked away from that experience with a better understanding of herself uh, and for me, her as an athlete, to then be able to make better decisions in those situations going forward. And I mm. think it's it's a skill that's not necessarily easy to teach in a standardized way because it involves an element of emotional intelligence that is earned, not necessarily taught. Um, but having the willingness to use training data as an informing data point but not be married to these projections because i think that's the the trap that almost all of us fall into in some way shape or form is like all of my training said i should be able to do this 
but you've just completely ignored all of the far more relevant data that you're getting on the day mm. in the moment that tell you everything else other than that. And yeah. I think that works both ways, right? You have the ability to to have an amazing performance on the platform because it all just fucking clicked on the day. And then you also have the ability to save a really potentially shitty, you know, either really shitty performance or a bomb by adjusting to what's happening on the day and your ability to make the most of, of that situation. Yeah. And, and sometimes it is really hard being the bad guy as the coach. Um, yeah. You know, for me, it, it's a no-brainer. If a, co- if a lifter gets angry at me, so what? You know, if they get angry at me because yeah, yeah. I change an attempt, it's like, so what? I'm doing this for the best outcome for you. That's always my goal. We can discuss this later. We can, I can, I've got, I'm good enough with my words to guide the person through it to the point where it doesn't cause an issue on the day. But as a new yeah. coach or me even reflecting on me doing this for the first time or getting in discussions with lifters when they're unhappy with the attempt that I've put in or the, the decision to change an attempt downwards, it's quite intimidating when a lifter's like, no, I can do this. You are holding me back. They might not put it in those words, but that's the message that you get. It's you kind of feel like, well, yeah. I better trust the lifter. And then you it, sometimes you do trust the lifter and they bomb. You know, like yeah. uh, for, for me, this is why I like the idea of being in control as a coach. I want it to be too easy or them to bomb based on my word uh, because then I can take hmm. the I can take the uh the the blame the it, responsibility yeah. exactly yeah. uh and i'd rather have have the i'll of course discuss attempts with lifters all the time um but i'll make strong suggestions sometimes and sometimes i will just go and change the opener if i feel like it's going to be a risk but, and yeah the interesting thing about changing the opener too is that it's easy for a lifter or easy for you if you're a listener listening to forget that there's many roads to the same destination. So if we drop your opener yes. by 10 kilos, let's just take a bigger jump if it's really good. And now you've switched on and you've gotten those butterflies. Now we can take a bigger jump and still get to the same end point. Like it's not a death sentence to change numbers yeah. or change the plan on the day. If anything, it's our skill as coaches based on years of experience, based off a huge sample size to get you the absolute best outcome that we can get you. That's our job. We know this yep. better than you because we've been doing it. Oh no, I know my and body. We just, it, so do I. It's a big, <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a bigger sample set, you know. Like that's, it's one of those things that I've found so many new lifters. Like I, one of my standing policies is coaching people in their first novice comp. We've got like a fifty person novice comp on two days from now. Got a bunch of people doing their first comps. None of them are going to be allowed to know what their third attempt is, <laughs> uh, because after a second attempt, it's not a discussion. I know better than you do, and I'm just going to put a weight on the bar that you don't need to know because you don't have an emotional attachment yet to a number. Yeah, you're just going to do it, and they all walk off almost always successful and really stoked really to have stoked. hit a number that they had no idea they could do, and that process becomes slightly more consultive as the lifter develops with their skill set and like you said it it is a it is a consultation at a certain point but i still like you am pretty good at offering suggestions where the only real answer is the one that i know to be the right one Mm. um because i've yeah in many cases just got a better sample set yeah 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 um i I think when it comes you know bring it back to bombing bring it back to this whole you know, with my experience, I, I bombed and then I got it in my head. It can be really hard to to shake that because 
you ignore all the success that you have and you only focus on that one one or two or three failures that you had like think of every single rep you do in training that's a success think of the progress that you're making work on making everything to competition standards so if it's a technicality you don't bomb on that thing again if you couldn't hit depth fucking start hitting depth if you didn't pause your bench pause your bench if you missed a call practice the calls you know start start correcting your mistakes if you blame the judges read the rule <laughs> read the rule book exactly it probably wasn't their fault but it's it's so easy to just like keep this this nagging voice in your head about how you bombed this competition and you did but focus on not bombing focus on all the success that you're having uh and just go into it confident and be conservative the next time you go in then you know ensure that you don't bomb open too easy if you think you can open on 140 open on 135 you know make it even easier than it needs to be take a bigger jump you know, be ready to not bomb and you won't bomb um yeah and it, it i think this more broadly extends to the conversation around poor competition performance in general right mm-hmm. because it's all the same things that we'd say if you just had a shit day on the platform and went four from nine or something like that right it's the same conversation it's just about how many successful attempts you got mm. um and for me i think it's that recognizing there's a lot of value in a the process like you said all of those successful reps you've done in training and that your competition result isn't always a one for run one reflection of your training environment because you can have had an amazing competition prep and a shit day on the platform because that's the very nature of a sport that revolves around performance on one day at one point you know like with a a team sport or a more traditional sport where you compete every week you have that opportunity to be like all right brush that loss off and come back on tuesday start training again work on the things that went wrong and we'll try again next week whereas with powerlifting it's really easy to wallow in that misery for a while and like you said before i I think everyone needs to be able to sit with what it feels like to lose and to Mm -hmm. bomb and and to have shitty days because if you run away from it too quickly you won't learn anything from it um and there's there's very much value in processing all of that you know grief in many ways like it, it is gonna feel shit i like i speak from fucking experience i've bombed enough to know how fucking miserable it is mm-hmm. um but the only thing you can do is be able to try and pull yourself objectively out of that and be able to s- sort of see the the bigger picture which is again really easy for us to say in this somewhat privileged position of having watched lots of people go through this process and been through it ourselves um but i think more than anything just reminding you all that like we've all done this like we everyone has had a shit meet at mm. some point uh everyone's had a shitty performance where they their training expectations were way way ahead of what they actually did on the competition platform mm-hmm. and the the thing that defines the best lifters is that they come out of that stronger and better for it because there's always lessons to be learned mm. if you um yeah, if you start wearing it too heavily as an identity, you won't learn anything from it. You'll just spiral into misery and then you won't powerlift anymore. Yeah, 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 exactly. A lot of people set themselves up to bomb either mentally or just, yep. again, with, with poor decision making. So mentally, if you miss your opener, you forget that you've got two more cracks at it. It's funny, like, if you miss, if you miss, say you're doing one for one, you know, a single in the gym and you miss it, normally you're you've got your head on well enough to be like oh i messed that up i'm gonna do it again and then you nail it but for some reason in competition you miss your opener all you can think about is i miss my opener i miss my opener i miss my opener and that can quickly segue into you bombing um you you quickly forget again the successes that you've had in competition like 
the language that I use when someone misses an opener and I can see that they're freaking out or even they miss their first two attempts is I just bring it back to training. I'm just like, you know how to squat, you know? This is especially the case in, you know, technicalities or, or whatever, stumbling, yeah, yeah. missing calls, you know, where the strength isn't an issue. You know how to squat. You just you just did a whole bunch of successful squats in your warm-ups. Just go out there and do it again. Like revert back to confidence in the actual movement rather than focusing really hard on the two missed attempts. But the other thing is is when people get, you know, overconfident, miss their opener, and then make a jump on the second that they shouldn't they shouldn't be making. You know, yeah. uh it's it's always better to total than to bomb. <laughs> so Yes. Um every every single time. I on multiple occasions and if anything it's probably one of my very few firm coaching rules it's like you don't get to go up on your second attempt if you miss your opener mm. you have to take it again like there's, there's obviously expect uh exceptions, exceptions to that yeah. rule which is normally like, based oh, on experience yeah and exactly it's some very experienced powerlifter had some minor issue knows exactly what's wrong with it is confident in their abilities and there's a competition element like yep. oh we're at nationals and if we don't take this jump then it makes the next one harder blah 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 yeah yep. then it's an all or nothing gamble right and that's the, again the very nature of sport and athletics is that at some point you have to put the chips on the table and make a hard decision that is risky mm -hmm. but generally that person is confident enough in their abilities to ride out the consequences of mistakes mm -hmm. right but for a less experienced less confident lifter every single time I'm going to make you take that opener again and maybe I'm going to tease you a little bit about it so you like have a bit of a laugh about it and you realize that you know, like maybe you do have to pay a bit more attention to this next one and you do have to switch on a little bit and almost everyone that has done that once never does it again mm -hmm. because you learn that lesson once but if you then bomb and it spirals into this really shitty day, well, then suddenly you're walking away in a situation where you've got a far bigger negative net negative result than you know, having to retake an attempt and miss out on a small bench PB or whatever it is. Mm, for sure. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, I'm much the same as you. Even when, you know, someone experienced misses, normally my second attempt is a, a touch more conservative than it would have been if they were successful, depending on what yeah. the what the issue is. Um, but, I, you know, reflecting on my own lifting, again, like these days, if I miss an opener, I'm conf normally confident enough to just go up. Uh, if it was like yeah. but you've also done m many many competitions and are in a position to know that better than anyone ever could for yeah. you you know like that's that's the personal experience combined with being a coach means that you've been analytical enough of your own performance mm -hmm. to now be able to make that decision on any given day in any given circumstance and be right 99 percent of the time yeah 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 it's it's yeah interesting um Indeed. I don't really have a great deal else to add without going in a, in a bunch of circles. I'm happy to keep this short and sweet. No. Works for me. Sounds good. Well, we'll catch you Excellent. next time. <laughs> At some point in the not too distant future. Love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.